Welcome to the Special Delivery Podcast. I'm your host, Special, and on this show, I like to do one of two things. Either I'm highlighting brand new music that's dropped, or I'm sitting down with artists to break down everything you don't know and should know about their latest project, and that's what we're doing on this episode. Monty Draper stopped by to break down his latest project, Mercy, and we talked about every single track, and we included topics like killing your ego, breaking your sense of entitlement, and just the journey that he's gone through in his whole career and while making this project and I do have to warn you I get a little excited so there are a couple loud moments on this podcast but we just had such a great time and just such important conversations about life and artistry and creativity so let's hop into it yo this is Monty Draper repping at the Av Records in Brave Area Richmond California Skid it. Yay! I'm so <laughs> glad you're here, Monty Draper, on the Special Delivery Podcast. What's up, special? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm always good when I see you. I'm good when I see you. <laughs> I don't even know if people know this, but you're like my favorite. There's, they gotta know. There's they... a small list, <laughs> and you're on it. And it's crazy because it's only been, I've only known you it's barely a year. Barely a year, yeah, yeah. But yeah. the people know when you connect with somebody you connect and when somebody makes incredible music yeah. i off tops already connect with yeah. them so it, it's just a beautiful thing man so i'm gonna get all into that <laughs> mercy has dropped you kind of sprung it on us I but did. i'm so happy I that did. you did before we even get into mercy yeah i have to apologize you probably don't even notice it but we did an episode of the podcast where we were talking about rock. Mm-hmm. And I was so fascinated and like interested in the story behind it because mm-hmm. the story behind that's incredible. If you haven't yeah. heard that episode, listen to it after this. <laughs> but I went back and I listened to it a couple weeks ago. And the lines and the bars that you put on that shit, I'm like, oh, God damn. We didn't even really get into <laughs> it on the podcast because we were so interested in like the DNA and the yeah, samples yeah, 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 and, yeah. and all the different things. And I'm like... Yeah. Man, I really missed an opportunity like to really talk to Monty about the bars. So you drop Mercy, and I'm like, okay, cool. Now we can talk about bars and yeah. get into lines and all types of dope shit. So yep. I just wanted to publicly apologize. No, like, it's all, it's go all good. It, it's so dope with music like that. Like my cousin, one of my cousins that I like grew up super close with too. She was on our way to work this morning, and she posted the joint with me and with me and Kev, me and Kevin Allen from Rock though. <laughs> and she hit me later. It was like this whole album is dope and i was like damn people are just getting rocked so mercy i can't i gotta be patient and still work the record you know so it's i appreciate it that's what you do it for to to have something that has shelf life and replay value and and people can grow into we were talking about that earlier like a lot of stuff you got to grow into it you know what i'm saying you may not be in a place to receive it or it may not have hit you or the reference may not have caught up with you at that point but after you reference and you go back you're like oh and that's what's so dope about you know genius and and doing lyric book like people are doing lyric books again and i've i feel responsible for that like getting people to pay attention to the words you know no off tops i think mercy really does that (laughs) in listening to it i understand the place that you're in and Mm. i relate to the place that you're in and there's just so many gems within it so i feel like the same thing either people feel it right now or they're gonna feel it soon and it's so important to really feel that and understand where you're coming from yeah Gonna get started with the title. Why Mercy? There's a play on everything. Like, it's going through a transformation, if you will. And there's this part of you that has to forgive yourself, but then also take responsibility. Like, to externalize any any hurt, any guilt, anything, just didn't seem beneficial for the space that I was heading into. 
So we're just talking about mercy. I wanted to be, I wanted to display some sort of mercy for myself. So I didn't come, cause, cause there's this, it's always a balance, you know what I'm saying? So you don't wanna be so hard on yourself to the point where you don't continue and grow from the lessons, but you also wanna hold yourself accountable, you know? So it's this delicate balance personally, but then also within maneuvering in the industry. I kept every meeting, everything I kept hearing like yo fam you too nice for this industry like you're way too nice for it they're gonna eat you alive it's like oh bet I think I understand that now and when we were making rock and we were shopping rock and we're doing all that like that was when it that's when it was most challenging because we would take these meetings people would love the music and then something would happen to where it was just a display of assertiveness you know what I'm saying and so that's what you hear in the record and it's just like yo I want to be graceful and want to walk this balance of being merciful but at the same time understanding the power and when and where to flex that power and and you know and it's a it's delicate you know like anything else is delicate but at the same time it's just asserting yourself it's what that was what the title represents for me I was gonna get into it later but it kind of fits (laughs) in right now on drugs you say playing the game fair but expect to be the man Mm mm-hmm lyrically I'm Ozzy the labels couldn't shot me didn't buy enough followers goddamn playing the game fair you expect to be the man oh lord it's algorithm over feeling last year the labels did 180 million why the rappers never get inside the building distracted by your mentions better pay attention no love celebrity what a drug I was way more faithful to my plug. My God. Like, like, why you got to take pages out of my autobiography, my diary? But for anybody who's, I mean, we think a lot about, like, the music industry and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. there's all types of games within all types of 100%. corporate ladders, places, yep. stuff like that. What was that like writing that? It was telling because people don't know, man. Like, a lot of my friends, like, my, my near and dear friends and, and relatives. and Because and even, you know, you, you have relatives. Relatives, you don't necessarily consider them friends, but like my sisters are my best friends. My brother, I'm, my his daughters are my goddaughters, you know. So those are my best friends, but they're really, really successful within their worlds, and they're completely different than music. But when you hear about the stuff that they're dealing with, it's not at all, you know. And so you hear it all the time. But like my brother, for example, they just got the bid to work on Chase Stadium for the Warriors, but the shit that they had to go through to get that bid was was nuts, you know what I'm saying? And But the proof is in the work that they've done, the foundation that they laid. My, both of my sisters are businesswomen, so seeing what they go through to assert themselves, like my uh, my middle sister, uh, she's a woman, again, working, and you can, I know you can relate, a woman working against all this male energy and this, this male ignorance, and she constantly gets looked over for positions and roles and stuff and I remember her being so frustrated to the point of wanting to give up and she just she just dug deep and it resonates so much and that's where we can kind of come together and lift each other up because it's what I deal with you know it's where where you think you're playing the game fair and writing for yourself and producing for yourself and going to the studios and paying for mixing and mastering and, and just dealing with people accordingly and then when you talk about what the real currency is in terms of social media your followers and all that you're like oh man such and such is popular in the 
song is doing really well and come to find out you can buy plays on Spotify you know you can buy use on views on, on YouTube like they talk about world star but YouTube you can do the same thing Instagram Twitter Facebook all that you can purchase for all of that which is your leverage to go on these meetings and a lot of artists don't know that like it's it's artists that we're really cool with that we're fan like me and people like me and you are fans of that are struggling ready to quit because they don't know where to turn to and they're competing with people who have capital and who have a backing to purchase the things that become the leverage to get you the looks so it's this real odd per it's the matrix when it 100 is and i'm just here to be an advocate and ally for the for the artists and creatives like us so that Chalk, don't we don't lose our minds because it will drive you crazy. It 100% will, and that's what that line was. It's like, okay, bet I'm trying to be the man, but I'm trying to play the game fair, fam. It don't that don't go hand in hand. So get over that right now, you know. So <laughs> definitely, and that's the thing. Like everything can be bought. Everything. Every single part everything. of it. You go onto Facebook and they're like, oh, give us ten bucks to promote this. It'll go far. I'm like, nah, like I'm not giving you a dime. Facebook, <laughs> fuck you guys. Like wait, that's not how this works. And that's and- the that's the business. It's so we're we're creating the content, right? But the real genius is getting in on the advertising side because the consumers need to see it and the creators need to be seen. Mm-hmm. So where's the void where the most money should is going to be spent? It's in advertising dollars. You see it where it was magazines and newspapers. All right, bet everybody's off that. They're on the digital now. Now all the advertising dollars are being spent with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all like dog. Like it hasn't changed. Advertising is drawing it, whether it be TV uh, with your commercials and stuff and they're paying top dollar for our content but we're not seeing the back end royalties where we have to go leverage it somewhere else so it's I, I got I got exposed to some different shit this year so that's what the music sounds like you know yeah but I think it's such an important place like you said for creatives but also just people trying to make it and living an honest life Absolutely. while seeing so much dishonesty happening around them yeah. call it whatever you want then we gotta get into my other favorite line from drugs uh oh talent don't mean a thing when you don't know who you are man man (laughs) just a moment of silence for that (laughs) do you remember where you were when you came to that conclusion and what that was like yeah i do do. because i was just thinking about some of my peers who i deem extremely talented you know like i i don't know how in the sports you are in basketball but the whole jimmy butler situation he said it straight up like he was speaking for at least for me where he's like yo i'm not the best shooter i'm not the most athletic i'm i don't do this i don't do that but what no one is going to do is outwork me you know what i'm saying and and i can relate to that in a lot of regards where the this industry in particular is predicated on a lot of things that aren't necessarily indicative of how hard you're going to work um, and one thing people are going to do is outwork me and that's why I watched a lot of my peers who I deem more talented than me especially um, in collegiate sports like some of my homies could jump out the gym jump shot was incredible could do all these different things but they weren't secure with who they were um, and so when people like mentoring a lot of kids and I was like yo what what was the thing that broke out you through because college is hard I don't care what nobody says I knew who I was so when I got there I didn't lose myself I didn't get wrapped up in all the wrong things I wouldn't didn't get too distracted like yeah you sway because you you know you're young and you're going through stuff but you could always be centered at some point or another and I remember that that's the one thing that's been keeping me going especially to be honest with you you know as a creative especially at this on the independent level it's not a lot of bread right now and that one thing that 
that keeps you consistent is the worth ethic, but that is 100% attributed to knowing who you are. And I think those lines almost tie in together too Mm -hmm. because you have to know that I know who I am, so I know that I'm going to play fair regardless, even if it doesn't give me a leg up. Mm -hmm. Like I know I'm just going to work hard, do my thing, and that will work. But it's like, especially when you think about talent and celebrity and fame and all these weird things, like if you don't know who you are, It'll kill you. It'll it'll 100% eat you alive. And so my one thing to to anybody, no matter how old you are, if you're getting into this thing and it's all about visibility, which then is about fame and leveraging your celebrity, if you don't know who you are, that's not the place for you Mm -hmm. because you're likely to take shape of whatever encompasses you. If you get lucky enough to get around some good people when you get in there, bet. But chances are you're not going to be around no good people in there. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take over and you'll never be the same ever again. So be comfortable in who you are. Get around some good people. Stay around some great people. People with vision, with morals and all kinds of stuff. You don't have to be, your morals don't have to be the same, but they, they at least got to have some base principles, you know, where you guys can agree and disagree and learn, you know. Agreeing and disagreeing is all about learning and pushing each other too you know and of course with that song emily mclean how did you team up with her (laughs) um so i just like you when i i got this thing about we're so quick to to say what we don't like you know um under a comment and even when we were our friends oh man i don't like such and such versus putting people on so i remember like 2013 I made a vow to put people on the stuff that I like versus using energy to talk about stuff I didn't really care for. Similar to your show, Emily played a show with us in in the West Mm -hmm. and it was just her and her guitar. Mind you, this is at a warehouse party and the whole party, like normally people faded, they hide, they gonna talk shit because who is this with a guitar? Mm -hmm. The whole warehouse was just like stuck and vibing and her voice is incredible but then also, that some of the chords she was playing on the guitar was just like to die for. Um, and I remember like, yo, I really want to work with her. Had her on the podcast and we sort of built a rapport and just stayed in touch, just like letting her know what a fan I was. Because like that night I went home and got her project, Tim. I, I hate that I can't remember the name of it, but Emily McLean Music, y'all go go check her out on uh, Instagram and go listen to her, her last project from last year and fire. So I reached out to her. It had the verses already, but something was missing. And then I... I didn't even tell her what the concept was. I just sent her the song. And she was like, yo, I think I got something. She was in the middle of getting married, like planning and going to the wedding and took time out to do it. So, Emily, I love you for that and and such a fan, you know. <laughs> I've never planned a wedding, but man. <laughs> but I can only imagine, you know, exactly. say, I'm the same way. I'm like, it's got to be crazy. People say all the time, it's one of the craziest things you'll do. I believe it because that's, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Goodness, man. No, and what you were even saying about, you know, people... People always say, like, don't take the energy to bash what you hate, uplift what you like. Yeah. I think that's become a personal mantra of mine. Like, 100%. always a champion, never a critic. Why are we even wasting energy being critics? Who are we to it, even say what's bad? It, it sells, it's diverse. You can come in, you can stir the pot. And we're seeing, you know, from from Skip Bayless to Joe Budden, all these people that have been able to monetize being anti-anything. Now it, it's the cool thing to be to keep it a buck. I get I get off putting homies on something that I really, really love. Like uh, L said it on the podcast this past week is like, yo, from McJenkins to No Name Gypsy. And then I came in and I was talking about uh, 
uh, Shmino. He was like, I, he hadn't heard Shmino yet. And then to me, Shmino, Raj, Mick Jenkins, like yes. uh, Iman Europe, like they're all in this class of like new school leaders that are the goats to me already. You know, Shmino's two projects in, Raj is to, to the public, two projects in, and I'm, uh, Iman Europe just dropped some fire. And I'm like, yo, they're on another level of special for me, you know, so it's like putting the homies on new stuff because you know, it's a lot of new fire out it makes perfect perfect sense then i wanted to talk about escape I was starting to slip, yeah. I was starting to fail yeah. Started second guessing my blessings, rejecting myself yeah. Locksmith <laughs> I feel like I've heard this story multiple times And I don't even know how and where and why But there's this story that I hear you tell hmm. About being in Atlanta and being with oh, Locksmith wow, yeah. And having to choose between <laughs> Follies and Stankonia yeah, right? Like when you told it on the podcast, yeah. I think it was last week I was like, mm-hmm. I've heard this story before Because we did a, a sketch show I was trying to pitch uh, Brave Area to series this was early too this was like before Atlanta and all this I had this idea about this collective of creatives that was struggling to get on so it was like a director a rapper a producer and then somebody who worked like a corporate nine to five but they all lived in this house and one of the segments is me and Sue talking about the first time at strip clubs and and that's that's where that story comes from or where it originates and it's just taking on a life of its own the more I tell it because I'll remember little details yeah 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 but lot Shout out to Locke, man. I, I, growing up, this is like seventh, eighth grade. He was battling on Cameo, and um, I would rush home after games to record the battle because I just wanted to. I wanted to be able to run it back, rewind it, and break down the tape. And so, you know, I and, and like you and a few people reached out when the project dropped because they knew how big of a deal that was to me. Like, Locke don't even know. He's such a homie. He was like, yeah, bro, I got you. Like, like it was nothing. And I'm on the other end of the phone, like, damn near shaking. Like, bro's really going to do this verse. And then... You know, normally it takes a really long time, and he just sent it back one day, like no warning, no nothing. He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, check your email." And I checked my email, and it was like, I called my mom, I called everybody. It's like, "Yo, Locke gave me a verse," and um, I'll tell anybody, like entitlement will ruin you too. You know, because when I first started, we knew some of the same people. So here I am, one project in, thinking I'm gonna get a Locke verse, and Loki felt the way when he didn't do it, like, "Yo, he don't mess with me." And then it's like, "Bro, who are you? This is Locksmith." He ain't just gonna give you no verse bro you better earn that like show show your growth and when he came to the studio to hear rock he just looked at me like oh you there it is you made that leap and he was like bro whatever you need i got you after that and he true to his word man so lock is his big bro always will be he's got a new project coming out that's i i've heard it and i'm so excited for him because it feels like this is gonna be a shift for him too you know so yeah. Such a beautiful thing. I feel like some people don't even make it to that place to where they can earn something. Like they yeah. get so discouraged yeah. by people being like, oh, no, not right now. Yeah. And then to finally reach that place where it's like, oh, shit, I earned this. Yeah. And you can see it. <laughs> Whew, yeah. That's beautiful, man. Well, yeah, proud. That was a proud day. So good. <laughs> then we get into what you doing this for. Uh oh. Been fighting all my life. The love feels foreign. My magic brown only sleep with my niggas scorn. Still climbing, wanna be sure my people's soaring. 
still climbing Wanna be sure my people saw and said it twice So my intentions are documented forever Every door slammed in my face only ever made me better What was it like making that one? What you're doing this for is special uh, Another, I don't even want to say up and coming Because it doesn't feel fair I feel like he's working hard to establish himself But a producer, uh, Ryman and his other crew Check Crystal, so shout out Phil, Cam, that whole crew uh, But Ryman He's doing, and I don't know how, how many people know, but he's doing a 365 beat challenge. So he's done a beat every day. Literally, like, if you check IG every day, he's putting up a beat. He's doing the cover art. He's mixing it. He's mastering it. Jesus. Um, that's more than just making a beat. Oh, no, no. He, that's what I mean. You so, <laughs> that's so much. So, I, like, when I saw that, I was like, yo, I fully appreciate this and we actually met on some podcasts and shit like we didn't even meet on no music like he the Trey Coastal podcast 2420 is is dope one of my another favorite show too no if um, you haven't checked that out make sure you do it there <laughs> just the idea behind it it's like dope. talking to people but also making a song, a song and they'll bring people in who don't even really rap, rap mm-hmm, or sing mm-hmm. or nothing so to hear the music that comes out of people who don't traditionally do exactly. that is incredible and they're just great musicians yeah, in man. themselves so. exactly Phil is a freestyle king He'll wrap your face off, so don't none of y'all want it. Stop. <laughs> but Ryman, he one of the beats he put up. I think I was like cooking or something, doing something hella random, maybe folding clothes or something random like that. And I heard it, and I was like, "Oh, I need this." And I text him, I'm like, "Yo, bro, I, I need this one." He was like, "Bet." Not, like, didn't even think about it. Sent it to me. Dead ass, like five minutes. Wrote that first verse in that chorus and recorded it. Sent it to him. He was like, "Okay." It fit the narrative of of that collection of songs because they, you know, they're they're recorded fairly close together. Like they're not, it's not very spaced out, with the exception of the uh, the Kevin Allen joint. The rest of them are really are done super in tandem, and so the energy and the inspirations are really close. But that song in particular is just like again knowing who you are, figuring out what your price is and what you're, what you're going to stand on and, and what you're working so hard for and why you're so dedicated. To get clarity on that, I don't know how many people have had that moment, but once you get that clarity, you feel unstoppable. It's just the bottom line of it, you know? That resilience is, <laughs> is ridiculous. Like, just being like, nope, this is what I do. I actually skipped humble. We got to talk about humble. Uh-oh. And you got to help me because this verse, you just go in. Yeah. So I'm going to start it off <laughs> and then you're going to take it. So you go forever thankful for my breakthrough. Uh-huh. And then there's, I think, two or three really dope lines mm-hmm. after that. Forever grateful for my breakthrough. Don't suppress your shine out of fear that they're going to hate you. Find comfort in your fall way before they celebrate you. Straight to the jumbotron. Had to skip basic cable. Man. Basically. Yeah. That verse, those bars, just really summing up, like, you have to go through this breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And you have to just maneuver yourself into these situations. Yeah. Like we've been talking about, without getting discouraged. And without being upset. Talk to us a little bit as much as you want about that breakthrough and those bars in themselves it's just humble in in particular is just realizing how much our ego is driving everything mm-hmm. um and you're not really able to identify it until you have said breakthrough you know the lock situation for example had i not had the breakthrough of of not being an entitled brat, I would still, I would be harboring something that just was false. And we do that a lot, even in relationships, like it's a lot of ego. For example, if you're dealing with your significant other and your significant other is articulating a feeling of something that you did that invoked something in them, but you can't hear past them just expressing to you, like that's just pure ego. So shit as simple as that. And on the flip side, the criticism and the critiques, like you sign this contract when you sign on to, to be a creator. 
creative. Like, especially when you upload it to SoundCloud, if you make it to Spotify, if you make it to anywhere, you sign yourself up for both sides of it. So getting too high or too low, that's just ego. So the second you kill that off, you be straight. But it's a process to even kill that off because of whatever entitlement is operating. It's a lot of different things operating with us within us internally that determines when we get there. But the sooner you get there, you're going to be all right because it all happens. It all falls into place the second you kill off your ego. A lot of us really use it as a protective layer. 100%. Breaking out of that protective layer and really coming into yourself and being like, okay, like I was just using this ego to protect myself, but now I need to be vulnerable and open myself up to these things because that's what real life is and that's who I really am. Definitely. (laughs) And then Illumimani. Running out the flames without a scratch or burn. Crossroad, I had it turn. Brushing ashes off, my passion off. What should I had to learn? GQ, my dog. Shout out Jamla, man. If people listen to this podcast, they already know that I'm a super fan of GQ. GQ's a man. There's an episode with him. He's just so incredible. Just Oakland's finest but for make, real. But you got to see him in the studio because he just makes it look so easy. Like <laughs> he was here. Damn, Q was probably here for like a month and a half this oh, summer. Damn. He actually came to the house to record a lot of this. They got some shit coming. <laughs> him and Soundtrack and Xena, they got some shit. Jamla is a squad. Two is out now. Uh, so grab that. Kells and everybody. Like I'm so proud of the Bay and like how we're represented on that side because Jamla is a staple. And again, that, that, there's backstory, there's history with him. He's another Oakland native that I grew up watching hoop. He was just nice at hoop. He made it to UNC. Like everybody's dream is to go D1, but he went major, major D1 and it didn't pan out and it could have barring a, an injury and some other things and Brad's been through it, but he puts it all in the music and that same work ethic he had on the court, he applies to the music and he's unfuckwittable. Like, Q is really the truth. Like, and it was such an honor to work with him. You should have seen how I asked him for a verse. It was just hella nervous. He had come to my house like three or four times and I didn't even ask him at the house. I asked him when we were at another studio. Like, yo, man, you think, uh, you think, uh, he was like, bruh, duh. <laughs> Why are you acting all weird? Like, I got you. <laughs> Again, it's just earning the respect of your peers. It, it means so much, you know, so. Why did you name it Illumimani? Part of the ego death, too, is is having fun, you know, and when you're having fun, you're liable to say anything. You know, you just, you just, and then, but, but what I was doing, I was having fun. And then I would edit what the fun looked like. And so there would be this character missing in a lot of the raps. This is prior to rock, because rock is when I found that method of just like, yo, I'm not editing nothing. Whatever comes out, we going with it, you know. And then from rock to mercy is sort of perfecting that. And Illumimani is just a play on that entire concept of the Jay-Z's and, and, and the Puffs being an Illuminati. But the Illuminati is supposed to be the most racist, uh, <laughs> discriminatory group ever. And it's just weird backhanded way of saying people of color can't be successful the second that they gain any notoriety or any success they've sold their soul to the devil and it's it's usually the opposite they're the ones praising God the most you know and this but in a in a way in which 
people don't converse about spirituality or religion or the relationship with God. It, and so it throws them off when it feels like a real personal relationship. It was just my nod or, or my slight to people who continuously say that because it is a real backhanded way to say, oh, such and such is successful, but he sold his soul to get it or she sold her soul to get it. It's like, no, they don't because they're black. They can't reach this level of success without selling their soul. It's just it's so backhanded. But the sad part about it is it's usually black people pushing that narrative it ain't white people pushing the illuminati narrative um it's usually black people doing it and then now white people are getting comfortable to to join in on that conversation and it's just a we i remember seeing that and i was like why are we having this conversation about somebody that's successful and taking away from their genius or whatever it is that made them successful you know so i think they were doing it about Issa Rae, and they were trying to be funny but i didn't think it was funny because it was taken away from the overall narrative it just like, can we talk about what she's been through? Jeez, I didn't see that. I don't want to <laughs> see that. But yeah, like really taking away from like the talent and hard work that mm-hmm. goes into it. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. No slight to you, but that's a way better answer than I thought it was going to be. Because listening to your podcast, I know that you are, you know, conspiracy body. Conspiracy so I thought it was thought, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was something like that. But Jesus, okay, take us on that ride then. All right. Damn. It's a little food for thought for you the people. Feel me? I love that shit. Yeah. Oh man. And then we get to blood in the water. The underground kings on the day shift make a run the world gassed up off the hatred. I bet universe will never try to take from me. I'm too dedicated, made way for me. Yeah, march on through the city, just my faith. I'ma take money, say something. Fuck that the grace coming. Man, they playing with me like a nigga won't spray something. Real humble like a nigga won't pray for you. I'll be trying to find a balance every day, cousin. It's a lot of niggas rapping, they ain't saying nothing. Fucking I'm here, nothing. Kevin Allen, the GOAT. You're one of the only people that can really get him to rap anymore. I, I feel lucky, too, because it's like I could call him no matter what time. He'd be like, bro, where's the studio at? All right, I'm on my way. You know, like that's the relationship. And he after the release party for Mercy, he called me the next day. And, and Kev, don't kill me for this, bro, but I got to share it. Because, again, he's another somebody else I was listening to going like, yo, he's the truth. I want to be that good one day. Um, so to have his respect. But he called me after the release party and was like, yo, bro, like you're the only person that can get me outside. Like I respect what you're doing. You understand this music shit and you dedicate it in a way that the others aren't. So I just want you to know that I appreciate you. And he just thinking it's good. Like, oh, yeah, I just and I'm on the phone like, bro, what is happening right now? Like these are my heroes you know what i'm saying like there's all the big names and stuff but lock and and irk and stuff like that like having access to them means so much and he came to my house to make that song i I was hella proud to show off like make beats for him and stuff and he he og'd me he was just like nah fam watch out (laughs) (laughs) and then to start making stuff like he was making one and i was like nodding my head but i obviously wasn't vibing enough for him and he's like Oh, you ain't feeling that one. So he stopped, started making something else, and then it was that. I started mumbling that hook, and he was like, lay that right now. Mm-hmm. I was like, bro, I don't even have no words. He's like, so? Just lay that. Lay that. That's how that song was made. We were having a conversation, like, back and forth, mm-hmm. and it was like, that's the song. That's the song right there. And so that's how that came about. So Blood in the Water is easily, like, I'll never forget that night. It was just special. I love the back and forth of it, like, almost cypherish. <laughs> like, I feel like that's so important for you guys from Rock Until Now, like, mm-hmm. hearing your guys' rep 
that's why I'm being able to really bounce off each Absolutely. other like that. I think it's so dope. So that's yeah. just kind of how it happened. That's exactly how it happened. It was just like, yo, this is because he would say something and I'd be like, damn, I'd say something. He's like, yo, this is how the song should feel. You know, we didn't know at the time because I laid the hook that was just playing on loop. And then we were having that conversation again. It was centered around really your relationship with God as a as a man wanting to be better as a man and the ego death of a man. And, and you know, all these all these different things that there's not necessarily the safest of places for for men of color to have those conversations and to be that vulnerable that's what we were doing it was like yo what we need to record this you know and that's how you get those verses i love it <laughs> and then we get to the later half of mercy mm-hmm. and i feel like you start writing letters yes and love me no more kind of starts out as a letter to yourself mm-hmm. but ends up being a letter either towards multiple partners or at least one partner mm-hmm. that you've had you're the goat for figuring that out that's awesome because I, I felt bad even now whether it be exes or current situations or hear something and getting it in your inbox or call you like yo fam what was what, what, what's up but you here's know? the thing they always want a song till <laughs> yeah, they get a song till they get a song you know and and so for you to figure out that it's multiple relationships yeah 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 what was it like writing that one i mean even from drugs and all of the other songs on here you're really pouring your heart out and really giving a piece of yourself like mm-hmm. a real untouched piece of yourself yep. but to make that one and kind of involve other people and really reflect on yourself and how you maneuver through relationships. Mm-hmm. What was it like writing that one? That one, again, is sort of the formula I figured out on rock is like, yo, I don't want to edit anymore. That's the ego death again, because even with that, you're wanting to stay in good graces and not rub anybody the wrong way. But that doesn't always lend to the truth of how you felt in situations, how you dealt with certain situations, how you hurt people because you were hurting or you didn't have the right information or you were just ignorant or you were just young and dumb like you, you know we try to give so many excuses but it just was a bad person at one point but to be able to write about that was so therapeutic and then it's just a means of holding yourself accountable because once that's on wax you can't go back and not get better from there and that's what it was for me it's like yo I'm saying this because I already feel like a better version of, of that version of Armani than at this moment and I want to continue to get better so this is my way of holding myself accountable in the world and homies and, and the fan base or whoever be like yo fam damn I remember when you was this version that's just what it, what it is so love me love me no more it's so funny because I made love me no more Part one, because it says part, it's supposed to say part two, but uh, that part two didn't get put in the, in the title. And that was, I was okay with that because it was like, no one heard part one anyway, but my homies. And they would always be like, yo, you got to make a part two. You got to make a part two. And I was like, fam, I was so sad during part one. I don't ever want to be that sad again. And then found myself in a space where I was as sad, maybe even sadder than part one. Mm-hmm. So you hear in the beginning of the song, yeah. I say part two, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like, damn, but no one will ever hear part one, which is a good thing. 
thing because it's a, it's tight, but it's it's I'm so trash. <laughs> I'm so trash. The more you talk about, it, the more I want to hear. It, but you know, whatever. I'll find. I'll send it to you, but ain't nobody else gonna hear that song. That song's so bad. Oh man, <laughs> that song really reminds me of not as far as like what it sounds like, mm-hmm. but as far as the subject matter, it really reminded me of Hereditary by JID. Mm. And just talking about the way. <laughs> Yeah, he's a yeah. He's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. It, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> and people who haven't caught on are gonna catch on yeah, soon. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be a wrap. It's nuts. But really talking about a lot of the things we do, I always want to attribute it to like our teenagers in our early twenties. Mm-hmm. We're just wild, doing whatever, mm-hmm. not thinking about other people, our motives, yeah. other people. Yeah. Like we're just out acting. Yeah. However, and he broke it down in that way and i think what you said kind of mirrored it too as far as why do i do the things i do mm-hmm. and like what has been embedded in me through what i've been through in my childhood and my life and all those things and not only calling it out but forcing yourself to unlearn it yeah and i think that's so important because no matter who you are you've seen some dumb shit yeah and it's caused you to unconsciously act in that same way. So I think that part of it is so important for people to hear, especially going through this journey of Mm. life and being like, oh, damn, not everything I learned is necessary. Unlearning is couldn't, such a real thing. Couldn't explain it better. Unlearning is a real thing. That's exact. That's all. All love me no more is is unlearning. One hundred percent. That leads us to hold on. The sound itself on Hold On, <laughs> man. Like, I could play that on repeat for days. Y'all got to find Bracey. Bracey refuses to show his face. I was like, yo, how to credit you? I'm tagging all the producers. He like, fam, I'm not, nah, I'm good. I don't want to. And then it came out and everybody, like, unanimously is everyone's favorite song. And so his way of celebrating that was to just send me another folder of beats. <laughs> We need that. Bracey, my dog, like he came to the studio to, for the mixing session and everybody was like, he made hold. I was like, yeah. And he just talked to everybody then cut, like disappear. That's his steez. But everybody's like, yo, who made that song? And so I want Bracey to get his proper credit, like, because he's the truth. Like, bruh, he thinks different. He approaches it different. He sent that to me a while ago and it just sat. And I was like, I, I don't know what I want to do with it. I know, I know it's special, but I, I want to um, I want to give it its proper due. And so I did the verses and I, and I did a hook and I thought about Iman and I thought about Murph. And, um, but they, they're always in L.A. And I was down in L.A. and I couldn't get with them. I met Mike Sneed at a, at a cypher. And Bruh's not really a rapper. I guess he sings, but it's like, it's that. That's me. It's again, it's Smino and, and, and Chance and all them like, yeah, they sing. But to me, they're the hardest MCs in terms of subject matter. And that's what Sneed reminded me of. It was all melody driven, but he was snapping the hardest in the cypher. And I was like, yo, who the hell is that? And bruh came over at like 9 a.m. and did that chorus. And everybody in the house is like, what the fuck is going on upstairs? Because all the animation and everything, bruh, he can just turn it on at the drop of a hat. And so that's what you hear and hold on. And that song means so much, you know. So, so good. The way... <laughs> 
the three of you came together just yeah. that sound yeah. is <laughs> we might need some more of that because oh man yeah mike scene we're gonna work we're gonna work a lot especially with track and z i think it's only right we got we got something special so and then the title track mercy dj just hit him with the one too though like in and out bang bang i've talked a lot on this show about length and Mm -hmm. how length has kind of evolved as streaming is evolving and all these microwave Mm -hmm. and you know listeners attention spans absolutely all that why only the one minute and 37 seconds um and you know because a lot of people are doing it now but I liken it to Mad Lib and to Dilla and to Doom and to Blue and that whole sort of wave that's pre-2000, 2002, Doom and all them like. And for me, because I used to get mad at a Mad Lib track that would only be, you know, because Mad Lib would hit you with something that's like 50 seconds yeah. and I would be pissed. <laughs> Where's the um, rest? You know, and I remember uh, my boy Bear, who produced a lot of my early stuff, he gave me these, this book of short stories and I read the whole book had never been so fulfilled from a piece of literature mm-hmm. and the short story what's so dope about the short story is like yo we're not gonna take hell of your time it's gonna be really descriptive it's gonna give you everything you need and it's really gonna be a story in the confines of whatever length we decide to give you for said story so sometimes short story be give you a paragraph sometimes and you're just like wait what but you're fulfilled you know and so the i believe music should be the same way it's like yo don't don't be here longer than you need to be if you get the thought off if you get the vibe off in that time frame and mercy man and i because the beat flow again it's flow like flows the majority of mercy and the title track he's so dope breath so dope you want to figure out an excuse to rap longer (laughs) i just i said what i wanted to say in the nosebleed since pj got choked out by spree it just felt like something and i was like yo i don't want to say no more like i i I did what i needed to say and then uh, and then the chorus and then the skit at the end was like oh yeah this is this is a story this is my short story i don't need no more super shouts out (laughs) yeah flow the goat man our fearless leader he's working on something special for y'all i can't wait fearless leader but just humble cool laid back yeah chill like don't let him fool you nah he be he and he be in the studio talking big shit well like, he should be he should be talking big shit all the time he be in I the mean, studio talking crazy right. like they can't nobody mess with me man like nah no, they can't. i'm kidding i'm kidding flow's not like that he should be because it's the truth but he's so humble and he's such a fan like i remember him finding soundtrack and zenon and and telling me he's like i found the next sound for the next 20 years he's like they have something special that could change the game forever and he meant that and i remember him playing it for me and i was like oh you're not lying like their soundtrack and Zenon are, are, the, are the truth, you know? And so he has this ear and this, again, this lack of ego where he's more about putting everybody on. He's our uh, peanut butter wolf, if you will. Like, he's super talented, but he's more like, nah, I want everybody to shine, you know? So flow, flow, flow. Thank you, bro. Man, it's, it's so, so good. Yeah. Now we get into the last track, Phoenix. And 
that soundtrack. Touched my heart, especially just with the emergency broadcast. Mm. I think I'm always going to be a sucker for media radio aspects. Mm. Why was it important to put that on that track? If you listen to it in succession, Mercy and what Bruh's saying at the end, again, it's that holding yourself accountable thing. And then the emergency broadcasting cuts that off. We interrupt that. We interrupt that with the message. And what I wanted to say on Phoenix, um, because it's, the, it's that's the ego death track. And so it just felt it felt so important to to interrupt your experience with the record to let you know that this is a moment for me and hopefully for you as a listener. And it felt right to use that. And it felt um, like enough people could re- relate to that sound enough. Because when it happens on your TV at home, you're like, fam, what is happening right now? You know, and so that's, I remember thinking about that in the lab. It's like, yo, I want to use that to let people know this is a moment for me, you know? And it worked out. So striking. <laughs> and then speaking of letters, that one's, you talk about it being ego death, but also kind of a letter to your father. Mm-hmm. What was that like to kind of put that out there? That was tough because my dad, my relationship with my dad is is so unique. Like, Brad really is, I do consider him a best friend. Like, if, if something exciting is going on or if I want to have fun, like, who thinks to call their dad? I, I do. Like, Pops is go like, because all the homies love him. Like, he he's hilarious, you know, and in the spirit of, of learning and, and becoming better versions of ourselves, of realizing how much I'm exactly like my father, you know, and a lot of my early life was spent trying not to be like him and not, not on some spiteful shit. It was by his request. He was like, yo, you're going to be better than me. It's this thing that black fathers tend to do. I feel like everybody does. It was like, yo, be better than me, be better than me, be better than me. But there's so much shit that I can't help. I'm like you, you know, like I got, I inherited a lot of, a lot of your genes and your personalities and your characteristics. And so I'm seeing the ego death portion and the accountability part that I'm working on in myself and on learning that I'm doing. I'm trying to get that to my dad because a lot of that shit is holding him back. You know what I'm saying? And it's a strange conversation to have, but it's it's a necessary one and that was that that's where that not editing yourself came into play again because it was like a lot of that second verse was like pieces of songs I've been trying to write for like seven years and I just didn't have the confidence to say it to be honest with you as well it was it's like you got to be a man behind that or you got to stand behind that and have conversations with people same with love me no more like I had to have really hard conversations with exes about leaving things unopened not and it was just that was just some little boy shit not being mindful that there's somebody else's life at stake here when you just vanish or or leave things open-ended like you get held accountable for your art and I'm 100% okay with that like the when you think about some of the abrasiveness of the chorus of Phoenix it's like why use that language and it's like that's how I felt it's literally what I think and if and on a deeper level I, I can explain it to you past the surface of it you know and if, if you're only gonna be wrapped up in the surface that's one thing but know that it means so much much more and I remember having that conversation with a, a family friend a woman who was just like yo I love this song but why those words and we talked about it and she was like damn you know and just the, the power you know the, to put pussy prayers and patience is it's just it's power it's just taking the power back and I said it on rock it's the same thing like a, it's a theme it's the synonymous with power versus what we 
we've chosen to make it synonymous with for me <laughs> no but i think that's such an important conversation that people mm-hmm. don't have as far as when you're talking about your dad saying be better than me mm-hmm. but what they don't realize is if you are lucky enough and you know work hard enough to become quote-unquote better than them <laughs> then there becomes a strange curve to where you're either more successful than mm-hmm. them more mature than them and that becomes a strange part of a relationship Mm -hmm. and then as you become more emotionally mature than them you want to see them be at that same place as you and it's so hard to tell someone who's older like hey i think you should change these things about you and Mm -hmm. i think you should get help or you know what i mean just whatever you think that they need to kind of be a better person and you can only say that because you've done the work to make yourself a better person and you just think like, man, after a certain age, people are just stuck in their ways and they're not going to change. And especially too, being a child, having that conversation with your parent, like it's, it's odd. It's so weird. Yeah. I've been lucky, though, because my mom, the same same boat as my dad, like genuinely my best friends and not just saying that it's life of the party. You're going to see her at the center of it. Every every show, every party, whatever. Moms is there. But the conversation and how open she is to to the dialogue, like, yo, moms, check this out. We, there was a time growing up where we couldn't talk about like therapy and stuff like that. But since I returned from school, she like, yo, why you like like I went to therapy for the first three years of college. You know what I'm saying? And not because I thought I need. I just I I lucked into therapy. You know what I'm saying? So now I'm gonna talk about it and like some of the tools and and trying to trying to get that along. Like she was receptive to it. My dad wasn't. You know, and it's just it just shows the difference. And pops is coming along, and I I do believe he'll get there. But it's you know you gotta stay consistent and stay empathetic. And I think the mistake a lot of enlightened children you make when they go back home and trying to get their parents game is discrediting what the amount of time on earth has provided them that we can't we can't go pay for it. Can't no therapist give us that. So you still got to go be respectful when you're trying to hand on tools. And that's the one thing that I've been mindful of from the rip is like, yo, this is still my dad. He's still got that pride portion of him. And he's been on this earth and seen a lot more than me too. So being mindful of that while trying to um, encourage him to be mindful of depression and identify some of those things and it's just something that goes undiagnosed or misdiagnosed and or or we self-medicate and get in the deeper darker stupor and and i just i love brad and to get to the space where because of the sacrifices that he and my mother made here i am on the verge of something what i think is special that will allow them to live this next 50 years of their life doing things that they that living out their wildest dreams you know so i i it means a lot for me for them to be here and be able to experience it with me like you this this next europe and I'm, I'm trying to take my dad you know yes. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's what it's just it's just stuff like that special i love it just yeah. so much inside of it all <laughs> it's so good anything else you want to tell the people about mercy I just love the fact that I get to come up here and rap with you and, and the music like that. It wasn't intentional, if you will. Like, as you know, I'm working on other music and, and got other things coming. And, and we looked up one day and Flo was like, yo, did you you want to put something out? And I was like, nah, man, I'm working on such and such. He's like, but Monty, look in the drive and look at how many songs you have. To be honest with you, it just be, it'd become such a hat. Like, in the, especially in the studio, every single day 
day and leaving with something like it, it would it'd be different if I wasn't leaving with someone every day but I was leaving with something and so for it to only be 10 songs like we had like yo should we just give a whole playlist should we do this like and it's like nah let's just make it perfect what we deem is perfect and it means a lot because it that also is indicative of moving into a new place where the focus and the intentions are are there you know and so I, it just it just meant a lot to drown out the noise and to be able to focus as much as you have on one thing not realizing that while you were focusing on that other thing you made this thing that people love and I'm so proud of that I'm so proud of that record how it was made who it was made with uh, the production from Flo from Rye Man from Soundtrack from Zenon from Bracey and then Emily and Locke and Mike Sneed and GQ like all the homies that, that just came and made it special and Sal for doing all the artwork too <laughs> it's it's so good and to hear you say that you're just in the studio every day just kind of cooking and for it to yeah. be this cohesive yeah. ah, you know i'm a big fan of cohesiveness <laughs> so it's like that that's incredible here because people try their hardest to accomplish something like that and yeah. sometimes still miss the mark I'm 100%. so for you to just be in the studio every day and Gina Flo to be like uh i think we got yeah. something like what yeah flows again he's a mastermind and and we were talking about that the other day it's like because people are doing like projects with just one producer and everybody strives for that cohesiveness and it, it doesn't always it sometimes it is with one producer but then sometimes it's just the intentions and what you're saying you know and I was just in a, is in a space and I'm so glad that we this is it's like a screenshot of the space I was in and we captured it and put it out that's what mercy is like I, I'm glad Flo had the idea to do it because it's such a pivotal moment for me had he not said it who knows we might not have it so it's so so good <laughs> and before we get out here we gotta congratulate you on the Tommy Hilfiger hey, and the Adidas hey, and hey, just all hey, this hey, dope hey. like you know what I mean like I'm like damn he's doing all this <laughs> behind the scenes and then it yeah. comes out and then like you said there's other projects to come yeah. out Congratulations. Like, thank you. No, thank you so much. I want us all to win in a real way. So whatever my contribution is to that, I'm just proud to do and to work tirelessly. And so from film to television and to commercials to composing, like there's so much out there that all of us sort of, and you and I sort of connected on the idea of just picking up sort of tools and talents out of necessity, but there's ways for us to monetize said tools that we picked up out of necessity. So I'm trying to make sure all the homies that I know that work as hard as you and work as hard as Kate and work as hard as Sal, we all get recognized, but then get to a point where we can we can produce all the dope ass ideas we got, you know, and so if going to Amsterdam Dolo for two weeks means doing that, I'm I'm all for it, man. <laughs> Anything yeah. else you wanna tell the people? That's it, no, shout out to Spech and, and everything you got going on and y'all y'all stay locked in, man. <laughs> Hey, thank you. Nah, man, we appreciate you. I tell you all the time, like, it's dope having somebody who cares about what we're doing as much as you do, you know, like, and not, and not just even what we're doing with the label, but all the stuff that I'm into. So then you put me on new stuff and I'm just like, I listen to the podcast and you'll put me on like, what did you, what did, what did I go listen to that I wasn't even, um, that wasn't, you did, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Conway and then was it? It was no. it was something like that. And I was like, damn, I didn't even know that was coming out. And I went and I haven't stopped listening to it. I feel like it was, I don't know. But it, anyway, you put me on new shit, though. So I, I appreciate you. That's dope to me. And yeah. it's not like I don't create these things to be cared about. Mm -hmm. But 
when somebody cares about them, I'm like, oh, like that's dope. Like no. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, it's so. a it's a short list of people that are curating dope stuff, but then also understanding the work th that goes behind it. And, and I think before we met, I was like, oh, damn, she probably has a team. It's probably like four or five people because you work like that. And then you're like, nah, it's just me. And I'm like, wait, it's just you in here? You know, so it was it was dope to see. And, and it was relatable, too. And I've just been lucky enough to link with, you know, with, with Flo and Sal and Ethan and Kate and all these different people, like, to lighten the load. But for a really long time, it was just me, too. You know, so thank you. Thanks again to Monty Draper for stopping by. We mentioned his podcast a lot. Make sure you check it out. It's called Meet the Brave. And thank you so much for checking out this episode. If you enjoyed it, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever you're listening on and reach out to me. I love it when you guys say hi or tell me what your favorite part is. I'm on Twitter at Special Says and on Instagram it's at Special Says as well. Plus this whole month of December I'm doing a new project called Who to Hear where I'm featuring a new artist every single day of December so you can check that out on my Twitter or my Instagram. Those are both at Special Says once again and as always this episode is dedicated to Marlon. Do what you can to stop senseless acts of gun violence.